Um, so we'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Um, so if you like, um, please read along with me either on your Bibles or just on the screen. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put on something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that they may help me on, on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in, in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers. But it is not all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, this morning we have Paul on his final Sunday at Wild Street and St. Matt's. Is that right? You know. Next week, uh, anyway, last time here, uh, which is, is really sad, um, but exciting for you. Tell us, it's and been sad. A, yeah, and sad, <laughs> right. although you might be. No, anyway. Yeah, right. um, tell us, um, it's been a crazy time these last six weeks. Yeah, that's Tell right. us quickly things that have happened. Uh, things that have happened. Uh, we've had a baby. Um, we have, uh, we're, I'm starting a new job yes. in two weeks time yes. and we moved house yes. this last week. Yes. So we, live, we were living on top of boxes most of, most of it. And then the one before we were packing in a tiny Newtown um, ter terrace. So it was um, pretty crazy last few weeks. Yeah. And where are you going to be at church next year? Uh, at Narrabun, this year actually? This year, yeah. Narrabun Camaray Anglican Church, which is on the other side of the bridge. Um, in the crow's nest area, if anyone knows. And what's your role? Uh, youth minister. Okay. Yeah. You excited? Yeah, very excited. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to start in two weeks' time, just so I can 
uh, think about things. It's mm. not going to be, I'm being told that it's not going to be in, an intense start. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'll have a bit of a break in January, like first week of January um, again. Uh, so that will be nice not to have to think about moving house or, you know, doing, doing other things. Yeah. That's a lot of stress factors. You know, they talked about the top 10 stress factors and which are the worst. You got a lot of the top 10 in there, man. Yeah, that's right. I don't think sermon writing is in there, though. No. That was also stressful, yeah. It should be. Um, Brother, can I just publicly say uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to do ministry with you the last few years. Unfortunately, I haven't got a chance to work as much as I would have liked to up with you up at Wall Street. Um, But you have uh, godliness. If, If anyone ever... You ever meet anyone who's met Paul, they'll talk about how incredible hum- humble he is and how godly he is and how servant-hearted he is. He'll just throw himself into everything. Uh, and they are the marks of... That's what God is doing in you. Uh, he is giving you such a humble heart and an incredible, serv- uh, an incredible vision for serving other people, which I know, regardless of what ministry you're in, whether it's youth or Armenian ministry or whatever God does in the future, he's going to bless that. Um, and people, because people, people emulate their leaders, and so if you have people who who uh, sit under your preaching who become likewise humble servants, then every church you're going to be a part of is going to be a blessing. It is. Thanks, Kurt. It's going to be awesome. Let me pray, Father God. We just um, we thank you so much for what you have done in Paulies since you've saved him and what you're continuing to do. Thank you for Steph and the way uh, she likewise has gifts for ministry. Thank you for the fact that you gave him a child, for that, that it all went really, uh, really safely and well, that the child is growing. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have sustained them in the last six cr- weeks of craziness, of transitions into new house and baby and new job in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Father, we pray you give them the sustenance they need as a couple and as a family, uh, that they would rest entirely on you and your grace, Lord Jesus, to do each and everything that they do. Um, Father, we thank you that he's had a chance to sit in your word this morning, and we pray that as he speaks your word, that we would hear your words and be changed. Mm. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kurt. Morning, everyone. Really glad to be here uh, one, one more time and to see uh, people in person as well. Last time I was here, it was mostly empty and I was looking at it. And then the one before, I was looking at the camera. Um, so, yeah, just moving uh, in a good direction. Um, uh, so, please keep your Bibles open at um, 1 Corinthians 16. I don't have slides this morning because it's just <laughs> lack of time. Um, this week, I was sad not to have slides, but um, it's, it's easy to follow along with me um, in your Bibles. Uh, let me pray as well before um, we start. Father, we thank you for the first letter to the Corinthians and the way your word has been shaping us individually as followers of Jesus and collectively as a church. We pray that you'd prepare each of us to hear your word today and to respond humbly as Kurt prayed, um, in repentance and faith. Amen. Over the last uh, couple of years, uh, we've taken a close look at Paul's first letter uh, to the Corinthian church. Uh, Paul wrote this letter as a response to a growing crisis among the Christians in Corinth, Um, a crisis of living um, in rebellion against Paul's leadership and against the gospel that he brought to them. 
the Corinthians misunderstood what it meant to be followers of Christ. Because the influence uh, that Roman and Corinthian culture uh, had on them was too strong. Uh, There were divisions between them over status. They tolerated grave sexual sin. Um, They took each other to court and treated the weak among them with contempt. These are problems that Paul addresses in this letter. And the common thread in these issues has been that the Corinthians wanted the benefits of the cross without the cross-shaped life. Christ saved us by dying on the cross. He lived the cross-shaped life. And he promises resurrection life in the future. And this gospel, when understood correctly, changes you and me individually and together as a community to live cross-shaped lives, to be a cross-shaped community, if you like. This means letting Christian teaching, values and perspectives overrule the influence of the world and the pull of our sinful desires. We're to live counter-culturally, uh, to serve Christ and each other, to build God's church in love and that be our main priority. Today, uh, we'll be looking at the final chapter of 1 Corinthians and Paul changes his tone at the end of his letter and starts talking business. And by business, I mean that he talks about partnership in the gospel. He wants the Corinthians to think, we're in this together with Paul, with Timothy, with Apollos, with Stephanus, together with the Christians in Jerusalem and with all the churches of Christ. It's a chapter that has bits and pieces of instruction and sounds a little scatterbrained, but it makes sense that he's been written this way. Paul is closing his letter. He's uh, wrapping things up. He's not about to start a new argument. And it also makes sense why the things he mentions in this chapter are at the very end. It makes no sense to talk about partnership in the gospel if they have the gospel part wrong. So chapters 1 to 15 are essential prerequisite reading to chapter 16. And the big question is, will they take on all that Paul has said to them in the previous chapters? So we'll begin first by looking at the partnership of the Corinthians with the Jerusalem church. So from verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. The church in Jerusalem was at risk of Uh, suffering in a famine and were also heavily persecuted. So the apostles assigned Paul to stir up the Gentile churches across Asia, Macedonia and Achaia, asking them to organise a collection for this particular project of aiding Jerusalem. And it seems Paul is responding to a question they had about it. So he says, you are to do what the Galatians were told to do. It's not as if the Corinthians had any idea what Paul told the Galatians. They're in a completely different place. But he mentions them here because Paul's concern has been to show that they are one family with other churches. This isn't the first time Paul emphasised this in the letter. In chapter 4, 
Now, Paul says that what he taught the Corinthians is what he taught everywhere, in every church. And in chapters 7, 11, and 14, Paul was eager for the practices of the Corinthian church to be consistent with what was done in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And later on in this chapter, Paul sends greetings to uh, the Corinthians from churches in Asia. They are one family with the Christians in different regions that the gospel has reached. The Corinthians needed to hear this. Paul was gently but deliberately teaching the Corinthians that the church of God doesn't begin and end with them. He's helping a self-centered church to look beyond serving themselves and to find ways to serve the greater community of God's people. So like the Galatians had been told to do, uh, they are to make this collection a regular part of their gathering as they meet each week on a Sunday That's the first day of the week, as Paul says. They are to put something aside and store it up as they may prosper. There's a passive sense about that phrase, as he may prosper. We can't prosper ourselves. God prospers us. He's the one who provides for us. And according to what God gives each person, out of that abundance, they are to bring to the collection each Sunday. He goes on to say in verse 3, And when I arrive, I will send those whom you credit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So that they would give readily and uh, cheerfully, Paul assures them that their gifts will be administered properly. They are to choose who they want to carry their gift to Jerusalem. And uh, for greater assurance, Paul even uh, offers to lead the team himself. He valued their contributions so much that he would put aside his travel plans to take this gift to Jerusalem himself so that it goes to the right place. There are helpful uh, practical principles in this section on how to give, uh, that our giving should be planned that our concern be not just for our church, but to other churches in need and projects that serve God's mission, that each of us should give according to their ability as they may prosper, and that gifts should be administered properly. But I think more importantly, Paul teaches us principles on why we give. Paul wasn't just concerned for Jerusalem's needs. Of course, that was important. But he was concerned uh, for the Corinthians and wanted them to see that by participating in giving, they are responding to God's grace towards them. The same applies to us, brothers and sisters. When we participate in giving, we are simply responding to God's grace towards us. And this humbles us, I think. It helps us not think too highly of ourselves at the end of the financial year, when we look at how much we've contributed to the church. As we may prosper, as God prospers us, we give back to God's church and his mission so that it might grow and bring more people under the lordship of Christ. Now that Paul has responded to their question about the collection, he goes on to lay out his travel plans 
And here we see uh, Paul showing the significance of partnering with him and his team of gospel workers. From verse 5, I will visit after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend time with you if the Lord permits. Paul knows that uh, this letter is no substitute to him being there in person. How much better would it be for Paul to be there with them, not just to express his concerns and teach them and train them, but to model the cross-shaped life. Paul didn't just establish churches and walk out never to be seen or heard from again. All his travel plans are motivated by gospel ministry. And a priority of Paul's ministry, as we see here, was visiting and spending time with the established churches in order to encourage them. We might think uh, taking the gospel to new ground is his only priority, but Paul was willing to spend the whole winter there and expresses a delight uh, in the possibility of spending time with them, if the Lord permits. Paul's higher priority, however, at the time, was to stay in Ephesus. This demonstrates that uh, his mission often involved recognising open doors to proclaim the gospel and taking those opportunities. Verse 9, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. By laying out his travel plans, Paul models to the Corinthians what it looks like to be concerned for God's mission in the world. Will they cast their vision beyond themselves? Will they partner with Paul and his team of gospel workers? Even though Paul was not going to Corinth yet, he sends uh, this letter with a team of gospel workers. Among them was Timothy. Verse 10, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you. Paul has specific instructions on how to care for Timothy. Uh, not because he's a fragile flower or that his life was in any particular danger or more than the other people who were with him. Uh, these verses give the impression that Timothy needs to be put at ease from the church. Imagine being the carrier of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. If it was me, I'd probably uh, hand it over and go hide somewhere else for a few days and then come out. Surely Timothy will be taking the brunt of any negative reaction that the Corinthians might have towards it. But uh, Paul specifically instructs them here that they are to put him at ease, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. Timothy was young, but Paul gives him the same authority that he has as a worker of the Lord. So let no one despise him, he says. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. The church is to partner with Paul and the team he has sent. He's asking them to take ownership of caring for Timothy by providing food, money, arranging travel for him, maybe a companion to go with him to return to Paul with the other brothers. 
The thing is, uh, the Corinthians had been waiting for someone else. Someone they prefer, someone they had no problem honouring. And perhaps they had specifically asked Paul why he hasn't uh, yet sent Apollos. He says in verse 12, Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. There are limitless reasons why Apollos may have been uh, unable to go, but Paul makes sure that the Corinthians know that he has not been hindering Apollos to go to them. In fact, he urged him to visit them. Paul doesn't dwell on this too long, and he moves on to write a sentence loaded with five exhortations. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. All of this sounds familiar in that they summarise a lot of what Paul has been saying throughout the letter. But the one that stand, stands out for me uh, a bit odd is act like men. I think it stands out because we have in our culture an obscure view of manliness. So that's why it sounds a bit weird. But what Paul is referring to here is the boldness and courageous nature that God has given men. Paul takes all that he taught in 1 Corinthians, the humility of the gospel, sexual integrity, marriage and singleness, personal entitlements, uh, how to take communion, spiritual gifts, the resurrection. He translates all this theology into this summary. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. He encourages Christian men, women, girls and boys to be bold and courageous. Because as Christians, we are always in danger of reducing our full commitment to God and allowing ourselves to be captured by this world, by lesser things. Final exhortation, let all that you do be done in love, which is still ringing in our ears from chapter 13. Contrary to how they'd been living so far, the Corinthians are to let love be what directs all their dealings with one another. Even the most wonderful acts, if not done out of love, they are worthless in God's eyes. Paul has one more group of people who uh, the Corinthians are to partner with. Verse 15. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to everyone, every fellow worker and labourer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. Being subject to someone means to be servant of them. Paul wants the Corinthians to stop being self-serving and to recognise those who labour for the growth, encouragement and edification of God's church. God has gifted the church with people such as these, 
in order to build his church. God uses them as instruments to bring people to know and trust in Jesus and to encourage those who are already saved to persevere until Christ returns. We as a church must honour, protect and support and serve Christians who devote themselves to gospel work. It is our collective responsibility to partner with churches in need and it is our collective responsibility to partner with those who do the work of the Lord. By honouring them, serving them and supporting them as they do their part in God's mission. Among the greetings at the very end of this letter, another line stands out. Verse 22. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Every kid at some point uh, dreams of fast-tracking their childhood. Uh, In a movie called Big, uh, starring Tom Hanks, if you've seen it, a boy named uh, Josh Baskin Uh, who dreamed of being able to explore the world the way adults do. He wanted to do all the fun things uh, that grown-ups do that kids aren't allowed to do. So he makes a wish uh, to be big and supernaturally is then aged to adulthood overnight. But as you can imagine, a child uh, pretending or stuck inside an adult's body is a disaster. No one can fast-track adulthood. I'm sure you'd agree that even as as adults, we are often trying to let go of our childish ways. Brothers and sisters, none of these gospel partnerships matter if the Corinthians don't let go of their previous life. If the Corinthians fail to flee sexual immorality and idolatry and continue to allow Roman and Corinthian culture to guide their thinking and behaviour, if they have no love for the Lord Jesus and don't live the cross-shaped life as Christ did and as Paul does, they may as well do none of this. Being in Christ's church and not having a love for him makes no sense. Doing Christian things without Christ is playing pretend. Paul longs for the completion of the work of the Lord. So he says, our Lord, come. Because when Christ returns, all of God's enemies will finally be defeated. And when the resurrection life begins. He wants the Corinthians to be concerned with this work to stop being enamoured with this world and be in danger of being accursed. Brothers and sisters, let us love the Lord Jesus and his gospel of grace. And by taking our eyes off advancing our little own worldly kingdoms here, may we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and be concerned for the advancement of his everlasting kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'll keep working through us to advance the gospel so that many more would come to faith. We also pray that Jesus would come soon. 
But as we wait for his return, help us be men and women, boys and girls, who are bold and courageous, living lives that honour Jesus and those who devote their lives for his mission. We pray in his name. Amen.